Good morning. I am going to start by um, apologizing. I have uh, I have a, a tickle that I just cannot uh, clear, so um, there may be frequent interruptions for for coughs and the like. Um, <clears throat> there are um, a number of uh, paths that uh, a preacher can take to uh, to determine the the particular message uh, that he'll give on on any given Sunday. Our um, our process, our practice here at Grace, um, typically is uh, to preach through books of of the Bible. Uh, before the holidays, uh, Matt preached through the Old Testament Book of Ruth, and before that, um, through uh, Paul's letter to uh, Philemon. Um, there are lots of good reasons uh, to preach in that manner. Um, <clears throat> it gives each sermon context, uh, allowing the listener to to tie the text and the theme uh, of what's being preached on that day to, to prior weeks and to uh, prior themes. It, it, it gives us a, a big picture or a bigger picture of... Um, of the truth in, in Scripture. Uh, it also acts as a safeguard. Uh, an extended walk through a Bible is, uh, is a built-in protection against misinterpretation of particular biblical passages um, that, that may be plucked out, uh, out of context. <clears throat> Another advantage, this kind of intentional, you know, through-the-book preaching is, is that it, it forces the minister uh, to preach the whole counsel of God. Um, it doesn't allow him to, to skip what may be an uncomfortable or an unpopular um, biblical verse or two. Uh, and that's valuable to us, uh, the listeners, as well. Um, 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. <clears throat> An alternate approach to uh, Sunday sermons is, is to preach a topical uh, sermon or a topical series of sermons. Uh, last week, uh, Matt completed a, a series on faith, hope, and love. Um, I remember years ago, uh, Pastor Scott, when he was first here, preached um, the Ten Commandments uh, over ten weeks. And it was, uh, it was really a, a, a valuable uh, series. Um, this morning, uh, in his church in North Carolina, uh, he's finishing a six-week study of the, the parallels between um, the minor prophets and the superiority of college football. <laughs> He's not. Um, well, he may be, but I, I, don't, I don't know what he's preaching this morning. But, uh, but you know that he wants to do that, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so all of that introduction leads me to this. Um, none of it applies this morning. Um, <clears throat> when preaching a, <clears throat> like a one-off Sunday uh, like this, there are a couple of ways that I approach uh, 
the topic. Uh, when I served here um, at Grace as an elder, I, I might pick a passage that, that I thought was of particular importance to the body, something that, uh, that I felt uh, the body uh, needed to hear. Uh, nowadays, um, I might choose a, a biblical principle and its uh, supporting passages that I really need to preach to myself. Um, or uh, I might pick a passage or a topic that I've, I've recently uh, read or heard or, or otherwise tripped across that, that sticks with me. <clears throat> Maybe a point that I've heard in, in someone else's sermon or something in a daily devotion or a study. Um, and that's the case here this morning. Uh, it's, a, it's a topic that uh, surfaced in a, in a devotion um, on Psalm 106, uh, that I, uh, it's a daily devotion. I read this back um, on October 6th, to be, to be exact. Um, it was a thread that I'd been, I'd been pulling at for some time. So when, when Mass, Matt asked me to preach, I don't know, six or eight or ten weeks ago, uh, I pulled a little harder on that thread. Um, it says in the, in the bulletin that this sermon's title is Living in the Word. <clears throat> Ignore that. It, uh, it should be, really be um, engaging uh, with the world. Um, if you're one of those folks who does that sort of thing, go ahead and scratch out that title and, and replace it with uh, engaging with the world. Um, and if you're, if you're a note taker, uh, I've completely omitted the outline on the back so as to give you more room. Um, we'll go with that. Um, so living in or rather engaging uh, with this world uh, an unbelieving world that um, is often hostile uh, to Christianity and to Christians we spend considerable thought uh, appropriately so on on living in Christian community in fact uh, seven of the articles of Grace Bible Church's uh, covenant are about living in Christian uh, community. But we don't spend as, as much time, I think, uh, considering what it looks like, what Scripture tells us about living in the world. Um, we routinely pray uh, about it, uh, for help in, <clears throat> in witnessing to our co-workers, uh, sharing the gospel with, with friends or family, uh, dealing uh, with the difficult issues uh, we face. Um, we did all of those things this morning. Um, less often, however, do we, do we explore how to really <clears throat> engage uh, with the world. Scripture has a lot to say on the subject. <clears throat> there is guidance, of course, but there's also a warning. Uh, cautions against uh, embracing the lifestyles, the idols, uh, the philosophies of the world. Paradoxically, though, the, the two are, are, are related. Being better at the latter makes us better at the first. So being more wary of the world and understanding uh, its, its pitfalls allows us to be more successful 
witnessing to it. <clears throat> Our reading this morning is in the New Testament book of Colossians, uh, chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. Um, this is a letter that, uh, that the Apostle Paul, the missionary Paul, um, he wrote to the church in Colossae, uh, and it's a passage which, which should sound familiar to you. It's, uh, it's a passage that we read as the response of reading uh, just seven weeks ago on Sunday, uh, November 13th. So if you would, turn to uh, Colossians chapter 4, and um, I think I said we're going to read verses 4 through 6, but I think it is 2 through 6. It is. So Colossians 4, 2 through 6, where it says this. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Let's pray one more time. Father God, I pray that, um, <clears throat> that you would be with us uh, during this time, that, that we would hear uh, the message that you have prepared uh, through me. Father, I pray that um, if anything I say is untruthful, that, that it would just be forgotten. But I pray too, Father, that... Um, that if there is truth in my words, that, that you would be glorified, um, that I would not uh, seek to, um, to call myself uh, a preacher, that, uh, that you would be understood to be the provider of that truth. Father, uh, tune our hearts to this message, uh, open them so that we may not only receive it, but apply it. And we pray this uh, in your son Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul is writing this to uh, the Colossians from, from prison, um, likely in Rome, which, which makes the first three verses uh, way more powerful. He's uh, here incurring, encouraging the church to pray and to pray steadfastly. Um, other translations uh, say pray continually or uh, devote yourself to prayer. Um, this is Paul's in encouragement throughout his New Testament writings. Um, to this particular charge in this particular void, uh, verse, he, he adds, be watchful in it with thanksgiving. Biblical commentaries uh, diverge on the meaning of this particular phrase. Uh, some interpret it as being fully alert um, as you pray, being uh, mindful and not, not careless or routine. And to offer those prayers um, in a spirit of thankfulness, uh, an understanding of the, of the gift of that personal relationship and conversation that, that God has created for us in prayer a thankfulness that he hears our prayer 
and that responds to it in his goodwill. Other commentaries suggest that this is a caution, that Thanksgiving leavens prayer so that it, it does not become a merely selfish pleading to have one's desires fulfilled. Um, if you have uh, an ESV study Bible and look at the uh, footnote for verse 2, you'll see those exact words. I, I borrowed them um, from there. And I think that this, this second interpretation is best for a, for a reason that I'll get to in a few minutes. But, but both can be correct. Uh, in his wisdom, the Lord can, can speak multiple truths from his word into our lives during, uh, during different seasons, during the differing circumstances we experience. That likely is true even here this morning, right? Uh, some of us will be convicted by, by the first understanding of that verse and some of us by the second, and some of us by both, um, but it, it should cause us no confusion or concern that um, that scripture uh, can be understood in in multiple ways. Uh, in fact, it should be comforting and, and encouraging to us that that God's word is universally relevant and absolutely true at at all times. If God's word is, is valuable, we should seek to share it, right? Uh, and that's Paul's prayer request of the Colossian church. Uh, even in prison, his prayer is for opportunities to, to share the gospel, to declare the mystery of Christ. Look at what he says next. That I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Paul's prayer is that he can deliver the gospel in such a manner that it's understood, um, that it's clear, not using lofty language or potentially confusing arguments or theological terms. He wants his, his speech to be precise, uh, plain-spoken. And Paul understands his, his own limitations in this. In 2 Corinthians eleven six, he says this, Even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not so in knowledge. He doesn't want his inadequacies of speech to obscure the truth uh, that is the gospel. And that's, that's, that's good advice for us too. Paul has... Paul has more counsel for us in, in verse 5. He says, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Almost the same prayer that he had for himself, right? And this is, the, this is the main thrust of, uh, of our message here this morning. How do we walk in wisdom with, with folks outside the church? Why? Well, so that we can more successfully engage with them about the gospel. <clears throat> and that's our starting point, engaging with people. 
developing relationships that allow for conversations about, about spiritual things. While scripture includes several commands to engage with unbelievers, uh, there have been times in the church and, and parts of the church that thought it wisest to, to keep a separation between believers and unbelievers for, for a number of reasons. Um, some followers of monasticism um, would argue that a life devoted solely to prayer uh, some of it prayer for uh, growth of the kingdom, uh, that that is the, the best way to grow the kingdom. Uh, some folks believe that because the world is such a spiritually dangerous place, it is, um, that we should avoid it at all costs. Um, that's faulty for, for a couple of reasons. First, other than Paul's conversion where, where Jesus spoke directly to him, I can't think of another conversion experience in the New Testament where the convert didn't first hear the word. He didn't hear the gospel proclaimed. Um, so if we're, if we're separated from the world, uh, we, we can't share the gospel with it. Um, I knew a pastor, I know a pastor, who once uh, joined a bowling league. He was not a bowl, bowler. Um, and so the question, why did you join this bowling league? And he said, because, you know, other than perhaps going to a bar, it's the place in the world where he can engage in conversation with non-believers. You know, if we, if we retreat into our world of morning worship and Bible study and church fellowship and missionary trips, well, maybe not missionary trips, but all those other things don't give us opportunities to speak to, to the kingdom that, that God asks us to grow, that he commands us to grow in, in, the, in the Great Commission. Um, so secondly, why we shouldn't uh, separate ourselves from the world um, is this. Um, it is, it's counter to what Jesus himself prayed for. In John 17, 15, this is his, his prayer before he, was, before he was arrested. Jesus said this, I do not pray that you take them, Christians, out of the world, but you, that you keep them from the evil one. Yes, the world is a dangerous place, but it's right where Jesus wants us to be right now. <clears throat> there is um, a immeasurable, a, a priceless benefit in truly engaging with the world. That, that benefit, that, that value is to those who haven't yet heard the word and responded to the gospel, to the mystery of Christ. So, so how do we do that? Uh, Colossians 4, verse 5, it says, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you want, ought to answer each person. There are, there are, there are two parts to that, to that verse, right? Talking and listening, which is perfect for me because I love to hear myself talk. Um, but, but that's not right, is it, right? 
Um, Paul's encouragement for us is to, to genuinely understand people so that we can relate to them in an effective, fruitful way. Uh, and a great way to do that is, is to listen. Uh, I, spent, uh, <clears throat> I spent 30 years of my life in uh, business-to-business sales um, in three very different uh, fields. I spent time in the medical field, uh, in the wholesale field, and uh, in broadcasting. And every one of them in a, in a business-to-business sales uh, spot. But in each one, all three different fields, I heard this cliche about customers. Uh, some might call it a cliche. I think it's a truism. Uh, you probably have heard of it. They, customers, don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Uh, that's true really in, in most of our relationships. Uh, people are, are interested in your story if you're interested in, in their story. Um, they're more apt to talk with us if they know that we're, we're genuinely listening, that we're absorbing what they're saying. Paul says that we ought to know how to answer each person, which presupposes that they've asked questions, right? Uh, in his New Testament letter James, Jesus' brother says, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak. Um, sadly, I'm not born with either of those qualities. I have to work at them. And, um, and it's good for me and probably good for you that uh, in a church community where we love each other, we remind each other of those things. Um, yeah, so sometimes it's, it's really good to be quiet and to listen. Um, and this is one of those things that I mentioned at the beginning, something that I, I need to, to preach to myself. <clears throat> There's more encouragement to engage with the world in Scripture. It's all over the place. Um, and, and in most of those spots, Scripture tells us that there are real, tangible benefits uh, for us from it. Not only, of course, the benefit of the world being comfortable listening to the gospel from us, but there are, there are benefits for us to, to be in the world and to engage with it. First uh, Peter 2.12 says this, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds one benefit, and glorify God on the day of, vis- of visitation. The best benefit, right? 1 Timothy 3.7 lists the qualifications for pastors. The last one listed in that passage is this. Moreover, he, a pastor, must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace into a snare of the devil. He must be well thought of by outsiders. So our elders at Grace should be respected not only by the members of Grace, but by the unbelievers outside of Grace, the folks in our our community. Um, 
that's that's just wild, right? Um, to be a good shepherd of believers, you should be respected by by non-believers. From the Old Testament, the book of Jeremiah, uh, Dara read it to us earlier. She read, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters takes wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear bear sons and daughters. Uh, Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for, this is the benefit, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. The word, uh, the Hebrew word translated here as, as welfare, is um, is a word you've heard it, you've heard before. It's uh, shalom. Uh, shalom is a, is is a more expansive word than than you might think. Uh, it not only means peace, which is its uh, typical translation, but shalom um, also means. Uh, it connotates the idea of plenty, um, of success, and uh, shalom, most importantly, connotates, connotes, which one is right, I'm not sure, um, God's blessing. So welfare means much more than just, um, just prosperity, right? About this verse, the the welfare of the city, and and the one from First Peter, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Um, the pastor and author, Tim Keller, writes this. It's terrific. Today, God calls Christians not to assault, but to seek the good of the cities where we live. Nevertheless, living in a pluralistic society means we must be all the more careful not to absorb the culture's idols, or to abandon God's laws in order to conform to the world. This combination of love, yet deep difference, will make us appear in our neighbor's eyes to be both weird and attractive at the same time. Isn't that great? The very thing that sets us apart um, makes us more appealing. Um, just one last note uh, before before we land this thing. I just looked at my wrist. I'm not wearing a watch. I, I don't know how long I've been uh, talking, um, but but I suspect I'm <clears throat> I'm getting long-winded. So, uh, verse six: Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Gracious um, is a word we we understand, right? It comes from the word grace. Um, but, but seasoned with salt, what, what does that mean? Um, Greek again, and I'm not a Greek scholar, but I read some of them. Um, the Greek word translated here is halos. Microphone, is that right? Just sound confident, you're good. Okay. <laughs> the Greek word translated here is halos. 
Um, it's the same word Jesus used in the, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. We read it this morning. Uh, when Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. Uh, in the ancient Near East, salt was extremely valuable. Um, it was so important that sometimes Roman soldiers were, were paid in salt. You've heard the expression, he's not worth his salt. That's where it comes from. Salt is pure and wholesome, and it enhances the taste of everything it's added to. And in this case, salt uh, can be interpreted uh, a couple of ways. As before, both interpretations are valuable. So seasoned with salt may mean that our, our speech should be marked by purity and wholesomeness, especially with non-believers. So, you know, nothing off color. Um, or it may be understood as, as adding flavor or zest to the conversation. Winsomeness. Um, we spoke earlier about the value of being plain spoken. How about plain spoken but not dull? You know, clear and zesty. Um, one absolutely last thing I promise. Um, I said earlier that I, I'd circle back to it. So <clears throat> Colossians 4 verse 2 says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Um, there is a danger in our prayers before the Lord that, that they become um, a list of grievances and our suggestions to him on how we can resolve them. Um, that, our, that our requests are for worldly things that, that we believe will make our lives better. Uh, James 4.1 puts it pretty bluntly. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you are asking wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. Do you not know the friend, that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it to no purpose that the scripture says he earns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. Remember Jesus' prayer before he was crucified. Um, resist the devil, and he will free, flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That's, that's strong stuff. Um, you adulterous people. You know, it's a, it's a flashing caution sign it's a it's a it's a blaring siren uh, the world is a dangerous place spiritually speaking uh, jesus knew that um, when he sent the apostles out early um in his mystery uh, ministry when he sent the apostles out he said behold i am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves 
I am sending you out as, as sheep in the midst of wolves. Why would he do that? Put his, put his sheep in danger. A wolf can, can tear a sheep apart. And the world can do that to us. But our, but our protection is this. The good shepherd is with us and he is in us. We are called to be in the world, but not be, be of the world. In John 16, Jesus says this, In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Abba Father, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you that um, it is applicable to us and to believers for all eternity. We pray, Father, that, uh, that we would put your words into action, that we would preach the gospel to the world, that we would engage with the world, that we would develop relationships, that, um, that the world would think us strange, yet valuable to listen to. I pray, Father, that you would uh, dampen down our urge to preach, to, to um, proselytize, to beat your word into people. Father, we know that, that apologetics is a good thing, but we know too, Father, that, that no one was ever, ever argued into faith. So we pray, Father, that you would help us to be winsome, that you would help us to um, connect with people on, on levels uh, that help us to understand where they're from. We pray, Father, that you would teach us to listen, to hear what people have to say, so that in turn we can speak with them about what you have to say. We pray all of this in the name of your Son and our precious risen Lord Jesus. Amen.